I was vulnerable with my business group. I'm more vulnerable with my children and my wife. Or I'm more vulnerable with my wife and my children. I'm more vulnerable with my business people. Those things can carry over and we don't realize that all the time. That these strong principles, they'll integrate into all areas of your life. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. When I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to Passive Wealth Principles. My name's Jake Harris. Today we have another amazing, fantastic stupendous, crazy, amazing guest, Jim Shields. I actually have known Jim for years, uh, and he's made one of the biggest impacts on my life. And it is not related to passive income or passive wealth. Uh, Even though he is an expert in that space, it is because he wrote a book called The Family Board Meetings, or you can find it at 18 Summers. What it is is that you only have 18 summers with your kids. So how are you going to live into that and then create what he does is once per quarter family board meetings with each one of his kids because that's the way that he did it within his businesses. So it has absolutely radically transformed my life, and we dive into this about how it's maybe not being perfect but we actually dive into some really nuanced informations about passive wealth, about building and build to rent single family duplexes, quadplexes, other things, and how a regular investor can get into doing that to really ultimately buy back their time that gives them the ability and the permission to spend more time with their family, to have and carve out the space that we just talked about, like those 18 summers, and it all connects together. So I'm super excited for you to hear this episode and with my, I would say, mentor because of how impactful he has been on my life, Jim Shields. Hey, 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 Jim, I am excited to have you on today. Uh, We're talking, you know, the, the, the podcast is Passive Wealth Principles, but I know you from years and years ago of you know, the 18 summers of the, the family board meetings, the, the things that I've instituted with my kids, mm-hmm. not a hundred percent consistency, I got to say, you know, but it was like, it is exactly the, one of the things, but, um, so I'm super excited. Thank you for joining us, uh, on, on the podcast today. No, it's good to see you again, Jake. Thanks for having me. So, um, you know, I, I think we can go a lot of different ways and you, you actually have a lot of different amazing avenues of uh, that, you know, could highlight and, you know, your past. So I'd love for you to give just a little introduction, you know, take a few minutes, uh, from birth until, you know, today, uh, no, just, you know, dive in a little bit of, you know, kind of a little bit your backstory. And then I have some, some questions about, uh, not only passive wealth, but, you know, also your, the, some of the books you've written and are writing. Yeah. Um, I started this crazy real estate investor journey, Jake, 24 years ago, which sounds crazy to say, 24 years. And I had looked at lots of things about going off on my own and real estate just kept coming back to me. I I liked the tangibility of it. It made sense. And I also read something that it showed seven out of 10 millionaires made their money in real estate at the time in the US. And I like those odds. So I just like everyone else, first offer I got accepted. I remember 432 North M Street, my best lesson ever. I was hyperventilating in my kitchen when the offer got accepted. I mean, a three-family house for 152000 
how was I going to come up with $152,000? I mean, that property today is worth over a million, as you can imagine. But uh, it all started there. Like a small real estate investor, started doing bulk foreclosures as I grew my muscles. And then um, going into about a decade ago, I hung up my rehab shoes and went into something called uh, Build to Rent, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. Uh, and it was probably in about the Build to Rent time that I really started to look at family life in a different way, where I didn't want to watch, I didn't want to miss my family growing up. And I had really been taught some tough lessons of watching a few mentors who had great balance sheets, but had really had really a lot of regrets about their personal life. And I knew that could be me being a driven entrepreneur, and I didn't want it to be me. So I started to write books about things that I needed myself, Jake, which was better focus and priority on family. And now it's got quite a following to it, which I'm honored about. Um, so real estate and family life are kind of the two combos I've always worked in. And uh, that's why we're here today. I mean, you know, I'm always humbled to hear someone's using our strategy like you. Uh, and I want to remind you when you say, oh, I'm not using it perfectly. Good. Because you're living up to the testament that I make every day when I'm on a podcast. In 10 years working with thousands of family, Jake, I haven't met one perfect family. Not one. You know, the only perfect families out there are on a television show a half hour a week because they're allowed to cut and piece things together and, and put up this perfect portrayal. That's not real life. Family life's not about perfection. It's about bridging imperfections, making the most of the time we have, overcoming challenges together. And, uh, and I'm hoping that's what some of our uh, simple strategies and rhythms have done for people like you and other good people. Uh, so that's that's been pretty much my entrepreneurial career is real estate investings parlaying into family impact. I love that. And actually, I think, you know, I just like a little nugget, you what you just said that the, the sitcom perfect family. And I was like, actually, because we do some marketing, some other things like that. Those episodes are actually only like 20 minutes worth of content. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, I bet you, if you could combine our family, we probably could get together a 20 yeah. minutes of perfect, like, you know, like we are now perfect YouTube sitcom family, 20 minutes combined over seven days. Yeah, maybe. No problem. Yeah. No problem. But, but every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned that as far as you started writing books, um, because it was something that you needed, you know, to, to, and, you know, instill in yourself. And obviously I, I I've been down, you know, kind of that same journey as well. It was actually, I was sitting at a table with, uh, with Osborne and Hyben and a, a bunch of other people. And like someone had, you know, said like, who's written a book. And I was sitting there and it was like a table of maybe 10 people. And like, I bet you eight of them raised their hand. You might've been even at the table. And I was just like, wait, wait a minute. Like, do I need to write a book? Yeah. <laughs> David was like, yes, you do. Everyone should write a book. And I was like, okay. And it was just like, that was the path. But I was like, so take me to that. Like, what was it that you needed? Or, you know, you got into writing a book and then tell me a little bit more, unpack that book because it's so valuable. And I think it's been such a foundational thing for so many people that I've come in contact with that maybe didn't even know you, but you know, the, the book has become that top of funnel a precursor to, you know, what you're doing today. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to write a book, Jake, just like you just said, you're kind of nudged. I started to give these talks about this simple strategy I'd started to do with my uh, adopted son. So I have five children, three biological, three, three adopted, two biological, which I never separate this out unless I'm giving clarity on a podcast. Um, but, uh, with my two oldest that I adopted at seven and five, I started to do this strategy with them. And it was a very emotional thing that I didn't want to talk about. My wife and I, you know, fell in love instantly, but she had come, she had married a high school boyfriend out of college, awful situation, alcohol abuse, everything stood up for herself, got out of it, full custody of these two beautiful boys. We met, fell in love. And then the boys as well. And I didn't want to mess this up, Jake. And, you know, both of them had some trust issues. But that first year of doing this simple strategy, we had such breakthroughs and connection points. I started to share them at entrepreneurial events because people were like, hey, you know, talk about that thing you mentioned. And it was very emotional. And I didn't want to do it. But, uh, but I could see it was necessary. And then I, it shows you how clueless I was. I did a talk at a big real estate, uh, not an entrepreneur group. 
And James Altucher was there. He has a very large podcast. And this is what, I didn't even know what the hell a podcast was back then, Jake. And so I didn't, and I go on his, he's like, that was incredible. I'm going to do this with my daughters. Can you come on my 300th episode? And I'm like, sure. So I'm like Forrest Gump. And I've got friends calling me from New York going, holy shit, you were just on James Altucher's podcast? And I'm like, I thought there was like 10 people on like some internet thing watching this. <laughs> I didn't know. And so I could see there was merit. And as I saw there was merit, that's when people said, just write the book. So I sat down with my wife and I pulled out the stories. I shared things that felt very uncomfortable because I didn't think I wasn't a child psychologist. I wasn't a family therapist. You know, I was this just instant dad with two adopted sons who was not wanting to lose priority and also help give them what they've always wanted. And that's appreciation and safety and love. And, and this one simple strategy, what the family board means based around with a few key principles did that. And, and so it was really a lot of pushing and nudging from people that have still remained friends today, you know, you know, almost 14 years ago, pushing me, write this book, write this book. And I did. And I did it in the way that I knew best napkins, <laughs> scraps of paper, um, some audio and, and in my own, you know, voice saying things that I thought other people would think is trivial, oversimplified, you know, I've been called it's the ultimate ADD book because it's so short. Um, you know, you can read it from a flight from New York to Florida. Uh, but it really, from what I've been told, it spoke to people. And because there's a lot out there that will help us, Jake, to become better entrepreneurs, but not a lot to help entrepreneurs become better fathers or mothers. And, uh, and that's what the book was about. And now from doing that one book, it has given me a reputation, which I think your book, anyone's book can do for them, for where you want to plant your flag. And, and so that's why I say be very, um, be very brave in what you write about, but be very authentic to yourself because that'll plant your flag. So right now, Jake, I mean, we haven't talked in a few years and you're like, oh, Jim Shields, he's the family guy. I would have never thought 14 years ago, I'm so honored that I get called that, but I would never thought, but if I hadn't written that book, I would have no right to being, to being out. I wouldn't have worked with tens of thousands of families with this one simple strategy. So I encourage people be brave with that first book, but make sure it's something authentic that you really care about. You know, if you really care about fitness and helping people go ahead, but if you really care about something, even if it's a real estate book, that's fine, but put some of your values in there. What do you, what do you really value? Cause it's not just about the real estate. So my next book is going to include both our real estate strategies, but also how did I leverage it into getting what I wanted to have, which was what I considered a legendary family life. And legendary family life for me, Jake, was just what, what, what did I always dream about doing as a child that we never could do? And my father who's passed away, I said, what did dad always want to do in his lifetime that he didn't get to do? And that's been kind of my North Star for how to leverage my real estate into what I really want. So anyway, that might be a long-winded, but I think the, the passion for writing a book obviously shows, and this is coming from someone who never wanted to write one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I definitely uh, feel that because of, uh, you know, being on that similar path as well, just like understanding that it was like, wait, I didn't, and maybe, uh, I don't know. And it was like that nudging, you know, and, and obviously being in, um, I was just talking about this. I was in Vegas last weekend with, uh, you know, Brandon Turner and Ryan Pineda, you know, kind of real estate, you know, growing and building out, you know, these, these platforms, uh, so much so. And it was, um, basically like getting in rooms of people playing at next levels than you. Yeah. And so then what happens is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And then what happens is you get this like revealing, you start on your journey. You don't know where you're going or I've yet to find a, a single person that is like, oh yeah, I knew everything that, you know, stair-stepped my entire way. But like, we're all making it up as we go. You know, we're just all like hacking it, bouncing off the walls of life and just, you know, but what happens is like you, you figure out a certain level and deem of relevance of success and then like the next level of the game is revealed to you. 
And so for that, it might be like having a bigger operation or having more employees or doing some of those other things is like just by being around other people that are playing at these other levels to me is just like, oh, now I need to get better at yep. this. I need to go do something different. And for me, that was exactly what, you know, the family board meeting that, you know, the 18 summers was is like, I just didn't know. I was a you know young father. My dad didn't do that. My dad was a police officer. You know, my dad was, you know, my mom was a homemaker, you know, uh, you know, and obviously that's more than a full-time job with four kids, you know, and it was like, but he wasn't laying that path forward in the way that a business and other people. And it was when I got exposed to some of that information of, of yours, it was just like, Oh, aha. Like there are other things that you can also be a businessman, but also, or you can, and then really front row dads and some of these other, you know, organizations yeah. Yeah. being part of is like, I'm a family man with a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love reordering some of those things that you've kind of given that permission and, and, you know, precedent and foundation too. So I appreciate you doing that. And that kind of leads to my next question is because I also know you as a pretty awesome, amazing businessman, like, and so maybe let's give a little bit of that preview of this next book that you're working on, because again, passive wealth and, and, a, 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 you know, unlocking that time freedom, stop trading your time for money is such a huge component that gives you freedom to do all of these things that we're talking about with, you know, your book of the family board meetings. How do you unlock that? And so maybe give us a little bit of insights of like, what is this book that's, that's coming out and what are some of the, the playbooks that you've been able to instill in, uh, you know, from 24 years of working and investing? Yeah, that's a great question. And and it you're absolutely key when when you said that Jake people people with real estate they're not wanting to work in real estate to work in real estate. They're not wanting to create a second or a third job. I mean, you and I are mainly real estate investors, but the clients I work with, they're not looking to become full-time real estate investors. They're looking to buy back their time. And that's been become a really popular saying my friend Dan Martell who just had a best-selling book, Buy Back Your Time. He's been on my podcast, vice versa. He's a big supporter of our family board meeting. He's the one who taught me that, that term about the importance of this. And so I always see with our clients, we're looking to buy back time. Well, I couldn't buy back clients' time until I learned how to buy back my own. And real estate investing, let me tell you, Jake, when I first went into it 24 years ago, I went into it with a lot of enthusiasm uh, and I almost went bankrupt. So I was all geared up, but almost went bankrupt, didn't know the right ways to do due diligence, to systemize. Um, I was more focused on the, um, the numbers of properties instead of the actual results of the properties that I owned, which I think can become a real sickness for, for beginning real estate investors. And it was the 100 house club. Once you get 100 houses, easy street. Well, I like doubled that and I was suffering, you know, and, and, and then, you know, dwindled that down, started to become a real good model of bulk foreclosures. And it made money, but it was bankrupting my time. And, and then in the last decade, it's kind of when I've hit stride. And I think people can do it a lot quicker than me. I'm a slow learner. Uh, and they can learn from mistakes. And I've learned that for me, if you're looking to be, first of all, long-term buy and hold is the way to make money. It's, it is the number one way I... I I build properties and sell them for people, but I hold property. And it's by holding property that I've created the most of my wealth, Jake. And a key to that is what type of property do you hold it? Where do you hold it? How are you set up to hold it? And that's what the book is about. Kind of my journey going through that young, full of piss and vinegar investor, you know, in California in the late 90s to today. And I've been humbled and, and educated in a lot of ways. And that's what the book is, is, is about. And so how do we get people, you know, to get the results? So for me, I'm proud to say from where I was, you know, 12 years ago, I own way less property, but I have way more equity and way more cash flow. How does that work? You know, and because again, it's the effectiveness of what you own. And sometimes we can lose track of that. I heard guys, would I got this many doors and this and that. But I like to look at bottom numbers. And so what is the vehicle? And that's what the book's about, Jake. And the vehicle that I found 10 years ago was new construction property. 
And that has been a game changer for me, for our clients. And that's my main focus. And by working in new construction for myself and my, my clients, I've been able to, again, buy back my time and have that legendary family life where I spend an obscene amount of time with my wife and children that go from age two to 20 uh, without guilt and with business still going well. I love this. We, we've, and I don't know if you know this, but we've done, you know, somewhat similar, you know, parallel paths, like started flipping houses, you know, and then, you know, uh, crashed in 08, you know, uh, you know, the negative net worth, the crying on the street corner, like, oh no, I was a millionaire. Now I'm a no dollar in air, you know, I like a negative, stuff. like this really <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but we got in and we started buying foreclosures. We bought them all across the country, you know, bought 12, 1300, you know, in 23 States doing trustee sales, doing that stuff. We aggregated some of them into single family rental portfolios, scattershot, mm -hmm. you know, management stuff that we sold off to invitation and colony yep. and, you know, oh, some yeah. of these other entities as they kind of did some roll-ups. Then part of that uh, was, by the way, if you're not buying them in extreme discounts, Having scattershot, you know, single family portfolios sucks. Like Pretty it is fancy. like one of the worst things that you could possibly do. And I've advised lots of people on this in the past because they're like, we're going to go buy up all these on MLS. And I was like, you need a thousand homes in a given market to get to economies of scale to yeah. actually effectively manage them because they're all over the place. And one of the other things of nuanced around this particular industry is the age of those houses is so many different and, and, you know, the other components is it. And so even from the builders in the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, nineties, and the two thousands production home builders varied and custom home builders is you have, you know, crazy differences of roofs, paints, you know, exterior, you know, you know, layouts, all those things. And so like, there's not any efficiency, even if you have a hundred or 200, 300 houses in a given market almost doesn't exist. Yeah. And then layering into what you're, you're talking about new builds. And this is the, like where we were like, Oh, this is actually. And so what happens is the the family office I was working for and, you know, he wants to still kind of keep discreet, but it was like, bought out a uh, build to rent uh, community in Reno. So they had uh, planned to do them for sale, but they built them out all as rentals because it was like, what are we going to do? Nobody's buying yeah. bought that. And then it was like layering those into other, like, Oh, we got a hundred, you know, uh, lots over in this area. We have discounted permits fees in California. You know, this is like the permit fees oftentimes can cost more than the house sometimes. Yeah. And so like, Hey, we have all these credits. Let's utilize them for a, you know, single family, you know, portfolio. And it was like all of these things then started crystallizing and coming together on how the build to rent space kind of works. And mm -hmm. it was like, now all of a sudden you can take a much smaller portfolio 20, 50, 100 homes. And what happens is it's now managing it like a horizontal apartment complex. Yeah. You know, like you can have efficiencies and scale and other things. And, and you know, I don't know that I put a lot of this out, but I also have a design company and a, an architectural design. Like, so okay. there's other things that we've explored of efficiency. Like if you did a bedroom that is 12 feet or smaller on the width, you can have single flops of carpet. That there's like certain things that you start looking at that then create because the biggest challenge with rentals is when you have tenant turnover. Oh, yeah. Cost you $5,000, $6,000 $6, to turn over a tenant on a single family house versus an apartment. Well, you need $500 a month rent increases over the previous years just to break even just from where you in. are. And so then it's like, all of these nuanced things that people never even think about or go through. And we've had so many like iterations and trialing and error and falling down on our face. So I was like, and I know you've unlocked so many of these and you've actually combined your, you know, recently kind of maybe you can dive into this is like, 
Um, I think it's, you know, the Jacks and the Southern Impression homes. So like, how are you taking all of these things and now combining them into what you're doing in the build to rent space? Yeah. So I, I always had done bulk foreclosures, same with my now partner at Southern Impression Homes. And I'm now a partner at Southern Impression Homes. I merged my company uh, with that because I didn't want to do any bulk foreclosures anymore. And I wanted to go all new construction. And one of the scariest things, Jake, like it sounds like you kept, you have to keep burning your ships, right? For that progression, burning your ships means that old battle story where, you know, they land on the beach, they burn the ships and say, look, we either, we got to win this battle of the soldiers in front of us and we have no ships. So we, we're not getting out of here. Mm. So it's win or, or, or die, perish. And, and I think that you have to be willing to do that. I mean, really all I knew how to do, Jake, was take a piece of property and fix it up and either rent it or sell it. That's all, that's all I've ever known how to do to go from, you know, near poverty to abundance. And it was scary to bear in those ships, right? But there was some clear writing on the wall. Like you said, those old properties, they have something called a three-year curse. Now, I owned a lot of them. I still own them. But I knew that after three years, even if you or I did new roof, new heating, cooling, new plumbing, update, kitchen, bath, electric... In three years, I just knew the the numbers were going up. Also, the turnover is usually more. You know, going from the older properties to new construction, our tenancy started to double in length. That, that's a real help when you're trying to um, have less turnover. And not only that, the term bids on average are much, much less. So these are all important factors because I think there's a there's a, a very um, delicate time. If you're really going to become a long-term buy and hold and you're going to buy and really consistently be in the game, those first three to five years are really pinnacle to get off on the right foot. And so you don't want to have heavy turnover. You don't want to have heavy surprise maintenance and repairs. That's where I normally see new investors just get clobbered. Um, and also you want cash flow. So when we started our new build, you know, we'll build for the family offices and some of the larger hedge fund groups um, that, that work with us. But we've Carved out a good niche and have nearly a thousand investors of the people that don't have the time to do what you and I do. They own successful businesses, have successful careers. They want to have a, a portfolio that's performing for them, maybe not to the level that we built a portfolio, but something to depend on and lean on. And we figured, like you said, Jake, single family homes, they can have great equity growth, but they're not usually going to get them their cash flow wise. You know, not not in a shorter term. However, if we stay in the residential realm and could also start to supply them with duplexes and quads, now that starts to when you you know get an integrated portfolio for some of our investors of a mixture of quads, duplexes, and single family. Now it started to have more bones. So we were one of the only build to rent companies. First of all, catering to smaller investors looking to invest in you know three to ten properties, but also providing duplexes and quads to help get them over that that threshold that you and I dealt with, with less headaches. So that's been kind of our main focus is creating these new construction portfolios in there. And also right now, uh, we only work in Florida uh, for a number of reasons. There's things that I look for in fundamentals, one of them being friendly landlord laws, which was super important to me and I believe Florida has. And so this is something that we just started doing for ourselves and then brought in clients to see, hey, this might be something that works for you as well. And it's really taken off um, in, a, in a better way than we even expected. Yeah, I, you know, I think that is amazing. And actually, you know, I didn't know that you did that, the, the duplexes and quads and kind of the mixing them. So do you mix those in your own communities or are they just completely separate? So we do two things, Jake. Um, if one of our specialties where we've tried to, where you said the scalability and the spread out, you know, really kills you. What we've tried to do is do almost, if this makes any sense, it's, it's kind of a play on words. We do like community infill lots. So mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't do infill lots, it's an established neighborhood where there's, you know, a good percentage of homeowners to renters, but there's empty lots. And so we buy up all the empty lots, let's say in a, you know, a certain area where there's 200 lots. So it's not all one job site, but the job sites are so close together, it almost acts like you are one job site. You know, the trades and the materials can all come into this one area with all the, you know, infill lots. And then in those neighborhoods, we'll build a mixture of single family and duplexes. 
so that it's kind of scattered in. We've got a lot of home ownership in the area, and that's great. The quad communities will build all to themselves. So that's that's something where quad units are put to themselves. That's going to be an all investor-owned neighborhood, but we try to put the best factors in play where it's going to be the best managed, you know, going from areas of town to smaller quad communities. Uh, but we put the quads to themselves because they're kind of they're a different animal. Hey, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about something I get asked about quite a lot. Who does my social media video edits? Well, lucky day, I'm going to share that now. It's Fat Unicorn Media. Whether you're in real estate or not, Fat Unicorn Media is super clever with some very exciting video edits on the short form video content. And they specialize in it for real estate professionals. They know how to talk like real estate pros because that's exactly what they do as their niche specialty. If you're looking to elevate your video content and social media game, visit them at Fat unicornmedia.com and book a free 15 minute call to see if they can help you too. It's been a game changer for me. It's freed up so much of my time. They are literally the who, not the how. I believe it'll work for you as well. Thanks to Fat Unicorn Media for sponsoring today's episode. And now back to the show. And like, what is your, I mean, do you have a you know niche of specialized like here's our buy box? Do you say the, the industrial kind of or uh, you know investment community is like we're looking for twenty acres that we can put a hundred homes there, or do you just kind of uh, more opportunistic and you know, fit to what the market is giving you? Well, we're in twelve different markets in Florida. Jake, so we'll we'll look at anything from an infill lot to a raw piece of land. But as you know, raw land, everyone sounds so sexy, but it means that nothing's really happening for two years. So you better have some real patience. And for you know, guys that come out of, wow, I can rehab an old house in you know less than 90 days, that could be that could be a long painfulness. But we, what we've tried to do is we'll look at all those things, but we're always trying to off-put some risk. So we'll go anything from that single lot in in a community that we're already building in to a big piece of raw land. Like one big piece we did was a defunct golf course west in Jacksonville. You know, we it ended up being almost a thousand lots. That was a big project and something for a builder to take on can be pretty risky. So what we did is we developed the lots and sold 800 of them to national home builders. So we make money on the lots and we had investors involved with that. And they're going to now build nice owner-occupied homes around us. And we kept, you know, that last group of lots for us to build our build-to-rent homes, which are also nice, but now they're surrounded in more, you know, of a home ownership community, which helps values, rents, everything, not too much on the market. Uh, so we, we look at it in all different ways, but we're always trying to mitigate risk because, again, that young man of 24 years ago that bangs on his chest and, you know, oh, I'm going to get to, I'm going to you know, buy this many more houses, you know, in this time, it, it, he's kind of left the building, you know, so, and I've seemed to make more money and have more relaxation now. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, to- totally makes sense. I, I, I feel that never every single day. And actually I was just, you know, posting and, and one of the things is like, uh, because we do a lot of stuff in Texas, you know, I've yeah. done it in other States and, you know, I travel around cause California, you know, you, you know, California makes everything, 10 times uh, as difficult uh, as, as it could be anywhere else. And so, yeah, you're like two years in raw dirt and like California, that might be 10 or 20 years, you know, yeah. to try to get your permits and entitlement done. Uh, but yeah, still in States like Florida and Texas it's much faster, but it's still years in that development. But what I was saying is like, I am not going to get my premier flight status this year. So I was in you know, one K United cause I fly United, you know, this thing. And it was like, so that's a hundred thousand miles is like, I'm not even anywhere near there or close to there. And it's really because I've been spending more time with my family and I've, you know, my, my kids are getting older and they're doing sports and doing some of these other things. And so I get out in the morning, I do my workout, but then like my oldest, we come out and we do soccer every day, Monday through Friday. And he does 30 minutes to an hour that we go out to the park down the street and kick the ball, run through drills and do some other things like that. And so it's like, I know like certain things are going to suffer, but I was like, that's okay to me. 
And so I was like, I'd love to hear some of those things that have kind of been catalytic for you that caused that, like that family and this, this passive income thing that you were talking about. I know that we got, you know, a little bit into the, the weeds and actually we may go back there to the technical, you know, aspects of the build to rent, because I think this is still very new for most people to hear about. Um, but I would say like, what is it like, what is your daily routine or the last few years that have caused you to kind of move towards this build to rent specifically around the family aspects? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Jake. And the one thing I want to say, it's, it's like my brother-in-law advice. Like what advice would you give your brother-in-law, Jake? And I always privy this with, I like my brother-in-law. I think he's an incredible guy. So um, take it as if you like your brother-in-law, but I would always say if he went into real estate, he's not, he's retired military, um, you know, had an incredible career, but never went into real estate. But if he came to me and said, I want to go into real estate, what would you do from what you've learned? And I always say this to people that I care about. So this is all of my friends and clients, but especially him. I say, I would own less of better quality with less leverage. Hmm. And right there, the ability to, to, to be able to have the discipline to do that, I can weather storms better. I can still capitalize. I can still grow and I can still have time with my family. And this bill to rent, what I saw is, well, right now, when I when I do this podcast with you, Jake, I'm at our house in Costa Rica. So it always been a dream of mine. My wife and I got married in Costa Rica. I've been coming here for 25 years. I just it's it's a place that has called me. A lot of Go Bunnings guys, you know, I think you know, I have a calling here, and and I just love it. It would have been a complete like I couldn't even think that large that oh maybe I could live in Costa Rica for a few months out of the year. Just There was just an impossibility with my old model before I burned the ships. Now for my position, first of all, with the partnership I have, and the, you know, I get to f- laser focus on one part of our business, and my partner handles so much more and 140 staff that I, it doesn't really matter where I am. For the things I have to work on, I don't have to be in the field looking at old houses like I had to 15 years ago. So right there... One of our core values with our family, you know, it's this one page little thing where I wrote up our core values, right, Jake? And that's our spaghetti strainer. I call it the spaghetti strainer because when you're making pasta, right? You dump the pasta in, you shake it out. The good stuff remains, everything else falls out. You know, adventure was a big thing for me. You know, I wanted to have adventure before before the kids were up and 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 past the prime of being home. And so... That helped guide a lot of my decision. Where do I need to be? How do I need to show up for my work? But also, am I going to be able to be with my children while still providing great leadership to my team, to my clients, but not without sacrificing my family? So there's that spaghetti strainer for me. And and in order to in order to capitalize on that, because you can free up your time, but then still be useless. I've seen so many entrepreneurs that free up their time, then go to the office and then sit on useless Facebook threads. Twitter and, and and taking calls they don't need to, answering emails they should have been able to delegate. So I always tell them to get things on their calendar. And one thing for my family life is is what my whole book was about. Like, do you have any solid rhythms in your family life? You know, just a couple. We're not talking 60 or 70. I'm talking three or four really good rhythms. You know, my family's always planning an adventure, Jake, right? I have, we're doing a small family retreat this week. And my older boys who are now 18 and 20, they're flying down for 10 days. I'm thrilled. They can't be here three weeks with me because they're now doing their own businesses. But they can come down for a part of it, you know? And so we're planning an adventure. I do my board meetings every quarter with my children still. My wife, I can't tell you, Jake, how many big events of influential groups that I've been invited to do the family talk. And, and I'll talk to them about their rhythms in business. And they'll say, well, I'll say, when's the last time you went on a date with your spouse? And less than 10% of the room will say in the last three months, oh, yeah, well, the kids and it's been busy and I was in this, this development project. Blah, 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 and I'm going, man, this, this, so rhythms save you from yourself. They will ground you and people, oh, that sounds so boring to set a date with my wife every Wednesday. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that's, that keeps you in control and the magic happens within those hours. You don't get overrun for time. So I always keep a little, a few solid rhythms going in my life, Jake. And that's really saved me from my ADD, from my 
over aggressiveness to go bigger into something. If I can't keep those rhythms, I know I'm falling apart. I'm unhappy. I'm feeling guilty and depressed about not being with my family. So keeping a few rhythms is so key. And if I can't keep those rhythms, I know I should not be doing the business model I'm doing because there was a time I couldn't. I don't know if that all makes sense. No, it does. And I, I would say, you know, I mean, the rhythms, I like that, you know, accountability or a discipline or whatever you want to call it, you know, different words for it. But it's like that actually gives you the freedom that gives you the ability to carve out, to go spend months in Costa Rica to, you know, have date night to do those other things. And so um, obviously, you know, you and I were in a, a mastermind together that it's like so many people, I think, join it. And, and maybe that the, the making more money, passive income, you know, passive wealth, doing those things is like, call it top of funnel. But then the reality is, is like you get in there and you talk about how are you a better dad? You know, how are you uh, or a better spouse? You know, how are you, um, you know, whatever else and, and what it parlays to is because let's be honest, you know, like after you achieve a certain amount of income, like it has less value to you, you know, pretty quickly. And, and I go, and again, people, you know, buy a nice fancy car, you know, cause you want to go to the next level and to this. And I was like, so many people is like, cool. I got a, you know, uh, you know, Bentley or a Ferrari or whatever. And I'm going to say, I didn't appreciate those, but it's like within like a week, two weeks, then you're like, Oh man, I don't really want to drive it. What if people scratch it? What if they dent it? And so it's like that quickly loses its value. Very quickly. Yeah. And, but like the thing that you're talking about adventure, you know, um, you know that, and we've, we've done and instilled into that. We do an international trip every year with our kids. Every year we go on an international trip and we even did it when my son Maverick was nine months old. We went and climbed Machu Picchu. He That's got awesome. through when we were in Peru and my wife was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, <laughs> I, I, and I was seriously questioning myself. Like I was just like, Oh dear God, you know, uh, Jim probably told me to go travel the world with my kids. And so I was like, yeah, cool, Jim, let's do it. And, uh, I was like, what am I doing in Lima, Peru with a kid with croup that's nine months old and I got to go figure it out. But what's <laughs> interesting about that is we went and got a breathing treatment, some steroid things. It, it ended up being fine, you know, and yep. obviously my wife references that many times over. I doubt it. That was like, that was actually a moment in which our family came together closer. Oh, yeah. That we actually, you know, like hunkered down. We did some of these things and it was those elements. And when things go wrong is actually when we refine or maybe get uh, our life or more connected. Like we're in, in, in sync with those things. Maybe that's exclusive to us, but I'm sure you have some examples of some stories. And if you want to take that in the build to rent space, like what are some of the mistakes that you've seen that you've had to make so far that have allowed you to unlock these new things for these investors? Because I think these are some of the action packed items that a lot of people appreciate is like, awesome. You've got a house in Costa Rica. I like that. That's awesome. But it was like, what are the things that led you to get to there? The mistakes that you had to overcome? Yeah, I think a couple of things. First of all, you have to take inventory. None of us want to take inventory, Jake, about the things we've been talking about. You and I have had to be brutally honest about taking inventory. And it's not something you and I like to do, but you got to take inventory. Who are you working with? Is what you're doing able to get you where you want to go? Or are you going to have to triple down on your time to gain back this much more, you know, are you, are you that guy? Are you that guy? And I've been that guy, Jake, who said, you know, if I can just buy X amount of more properties and you're going, wait, why? You're, you're saying I'm going to triple down to buy X amount of more properties. And, you know, you're feeling like a stranger at home. You're guilty and depressed. Your family time is passing you by and you're not there for it. You know, it's that reassessing, that taking of inventory uh, and then and then being brutally honest of the things you're good at and the things you're not. I mean, here we are. We'll build six to eight hundred houses this year. Our, our company, Jake, I, I am a sh I, I'm a shit builder. I don't know how to build. 
I have a great partner and I'm really good at the overall picture, the fundamentals, the numbers, the sales, the marketing, the storytelling, the client relationships. That's what I'm good at. I'm not the fundamental builder of, of this program. And, and guess what? My partner, who is the spreadsheet master and great at the actual nuts and bolts of the building, he's fantastic at it. But he wouldn't really want to be on this interview with you, you know, nor would he be comfortable talking about family. You have to team up with, first of all, go deep into what you're good at and don't be afraid to. And then, you know, secondly, team up with people that, you know, hold a different skill set. That is one of the biggest things. And there's times in the past, Jake, I did the opposite. I tried to be something that I wasn't because at one of the big mastermind groups, I wanted to impress people. I, I, you know, I teamed up with people who were like my twin. Well, what good is two of you there? <laughs> you got, you need a quarterback and a running back. You don't, you don't want to have both, you know? So that's, that's been, been a key thing in the build to rent side is, is being brutally honest and, and also be honest about what you're good at and who you're working with. And are you filling in the gaps for each other? And if not, you got to reassess because what I've found as well is if I'm not putting myself in the best place that I can, Jake, then I'm being a really shitty guy because that means I'm making people who work with me not be able to spend time with their family because they're picking up the pieces. And for me, and I put the same back to the people I work with, if you guys are not playing up to your role in the team, you're not allowing me to spend time with my family because I'm having to step in on things that I'm not supposed to. And when you hold yourself to that accountability, there becomes a different culture and camaraderie with the people that you work with. Man, I love that. I, I think that's great advice. The inventory, you know, because, you know, the look at yourself in the mirror and if you tr truly be honest with yourself, um, I think that's hard for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Is there anything that you've done that's helped you in that process? I have two things I've done. I've been willing to help ask for help, Jake. And I've been willing to be brutally honest. Uh, I have sounding boards of, of a few guys that I speak with and I don't sugarcoat. Like, and this is something when things are not going well, I let people know because I've seen a foolish pride in some of the mastermind groups and that we've been in where people don't want to share the difficulty where if you share the difficulty, there could be solution right on the other side for you. Because someone might see something you don't, but if you hold it in and you portray everything's great, whew, that's a tough situation to be in. And I've been there before. So the fact now that I'm just brutally honest of, of good, bad, or ugly, that's been super helpful. And I give that to people that I know, like, and trust so that they can call me out. They can hold me accountable. They can see things I don't see. And that's been one of the best ways to do it. And one of those people being my spouse, you know, I think Napoleon Hill said, your, 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 your wife or your husband is your most important mastermind partner. You know, I, my wife used to joke, like I'd come back and, and say something like, hey, I think we're going to do this. She's like, oh, not what I just said six months ago and, and maybe not in a man's voice, but you know, so it's a big lesson. Uh, but but be willing to be vulnerable and honest. Not everything has to be served on a silver platter to make you look good. Um, and I think that you'll be surprised when you start to do that, how much quicker you can improve because you're not kidding yourself either. Yeah, that's, um, I had actually a call earlier today. There was actually a guy that was, you know, authentic, you know, as far as on the thing, he's like, man, in four and a half years, I've never had, you know, um, a negative quarter. And now I've had a negative quarter and, you know, I'm putting money into my business and, you know, it feels, you know, bad, you know, cause obviously, you know, you go through and everybody, you know, whips out their financial, you know, and maybe they share the PL, maybe you keep it, you know, exclusive. And, you know, there's a whole lot of things that, I mean, obviously rabbit holes that we could go down. And I was just at an event with um, Kelly Flanagan, you know, my wife and I went to the, the, the great guy. couples companion thing with Kelly Flanagan. And then I think, I think it's peeling back to this, like, we're all a bunch of just wounded kids, eight, 10, 12 year old kids that are, afraid, you know, shameful that, you know, seeking to be loved in some way, shape or form. And we've used this proxy of business and, 
you know, financial success as the way to like say I'm worthy. And then when that is shifted or is not playing out the way that you, uh, visualize or portray it out there, there's so many different things that that causes between your relationships as a father, as a business partner and, and other things. And it's just not being real or authentic yeah. or, you know, validating that out. And I think that is one of the things that I think is going to really emerge in a, in a world with like AI and content and all these other things is like the people that are willing to be real and not fake are going to continue to see outsized returns. And it goes back to like your concept which I wanted to, to dive in a little bit better was like the owning less, but with better quality with no debt, you know, or lower debt amounts and stuff like that. So I was like, when you say that is like, how has that translated in other areas of your life besides just a build to rent component? Well, you know, I think that for me, Jake, so probably going into 08, I own a ton of property, but I was probably at about 83% LTV, you know, which you know the math then like, ooh, you in trouble, boy. You got to you have some maintenance repairs. Uh, I was like 95, 97. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I was taking it all of it. I know exactly the path right? this happens. And so, and so now going into whatever we're going into now, I'm at about 26, 27% LTV, you know, and on much higher quality properties. And, and I think that gives me space. It gives me space to make better decisions. And I'm, it, it doesn't mean I still don't have problems or challenges. Look, I'm in business and we, we have a, a part of a pretty large venture. So we're always going to have that. But I think what I've learned, this is interesting, Jake, when probably 20, for sure, 20 years ago, I would have walked into an event. Everything's fine. You know, one of these masterminds where I'm trying to impress guys. Not because I'm being pompous, but also you're intimidated. You know, I, I, everything's fine. Yeah, I have this. Well, no one's going to be able to help me. And I've just wasted everyone's time, especially my own, because I've really could have been vulnerable and gotten help and improved. And now that I've been going into groups and say, guys, I'm really, I'm really struggling with this right now. You know, and it could be business. It could even be with family. Just because I'm the family guy doesn't mean I don't have setbacks or things like that. But I found that now that I'm doing this, like in, in masterminds that we go to, I also do it with my kids. So I'll say to them, I'll say, look, I've been short or, or a little tempersome. I'm sorry, that's not your fault. I've been going through some big things at work. You know, what, go back to, you know, this pandemic is a weird time. We're trying to navigate these weird waters, but it's not your fault. I want to apologize if I've been short or I've done this, but you know, it's having some challenges at work. And I think it's okay to tell our kids that. Somebody, oh, I'd never tell my kids we're having, I'm having a challenge at work. I don't want them worrying. I want to set this example. Uh, and I, I call it the, the Superman example, which is a horrific example to give to your kids. And that's been proven. I think Kelly and I talked about that on when he came on our 18 Summers podcast, Kelly Flanagan. You, if you set this image that you're invincible, that you're bulletproof, what does a nine-year-old kid have in common with you? Nothing. Because that nine-year-old is internally looking and saying, Wow, I'm not like my mom or dad. I have lots of fears. I have lots of doubts. I have lots of concerns. If, and if they don't, we're not cut from the same stone. And so I think by doing this in business, I've started to take it home. I've started to apologize quicker. Um, I've started to slow down. We're still needing a lot of lot of work to it. You know, I'm a work in progress. But where I've gone in the last decade, Jake, I'm a different person. And And I think, you know, these these underlying habits can can run into other areas. I was vulnerable with my business group. I'm more vulnerable with my children and my wife, or I'm more vulnerable with my wife and my children. I'm more vulnerable with my business people, and um, and I think those things can carry over, and we don't realize that all the time. That these strong principles will, you know, they'll integrate into all areas of your life. So if you're lying to yourself about how much you bench press or how much you know, your, your, your real balance sheet should be and how much time you spend with your family, you're going to get used to lying. And, and that all starts to lie and lie and lie more until you can feel like I'm not really being honest of, of who I am in all areas. And, and that is a shitty feeling when I've been there before. Yeah. And I, and I, 
you struck a chord on some of those things. Cause it was like the, the, the younger version of myself being, you know, in, in real estate 20 years ago, but just as a person, you know, as far as exactly that being intimidated, you know, like you're, you're puffing your chest up bigger. You're, you're, you know, like, look at me, you know, uh, you know, those aspects of it, um, is you're, you know, trying to, you know, just show that, you know, you don't want to show that vulnerability, that Superman, you know, I, I love that analogy as well, you know, but, and it actually gave me the, the other night, last night, um, I was tired. I wanted to go to bed. You know, I get up early. I do some things like that. And I was short with kind of everyone, my wife, my kids, everybody was like, get in bed. Like, that's it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, that, you know, we need to get to bed. Like I, you know, um, and I went in and I, I laid down with my son and I apologized to him. And yeah. I was just like, man, I messed up. Like, you know, I, I, didn't respond the way that I had wanted to or intended to, because, you know, to be honest with you and, um, I'm tired and I was tired, you know, from the thing and I reacted poorly and I yelled at you and to him, you know, all the things that we talked about, go play soccer in the morning, do those other things like that. The 10 awesome things that we had during the day, but it's the one thing just before night that he's going to go lay in bed and cry because dad yells at me all the time, you know, kind of thing. And it was just like, damn, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, maybe in the past or maybe my dad wouldn't have done that, you know, and I don't know, maybe, but it was just like, how can I, but yeah, be vulnerable with him. Such kudos to you, Jake, because like I said, family life is not about perfection, you know, and don't put that pressure of perfection on you or your kids, because if you put it on you, you're going to put it on your kids. But what you did is there is some power to a genuine compliment or a sincere apology. And a lot of times growing up, a lot of people or it just doesn't feel comfortable or, or as entrepreneurs, we give ourselves immunity. Like it would have been so easy, Jake, for you to be like, you know what? You know how hard I'm working. I'm running two businesses. I got this big deal going on. And and you gave, you would have given yourself immunity for yelling. And you didn't. You didn't give yourself immunity and said, I'm wrong. I need to hold myself to the standard. That, it's not the mistake. It's, it's the making up for a mistake. You made a 15-minute issue, a 15-minute issue instead of a, you know, one week debacle or a 20 year debacle, because this stuff starts to compound. If I've seen anything working with thousands of families, it's that entrepreneurial immunity that will get you. Yeah, that's going to work at the age of 10. But when they're 23 and you just gave yourself immunity for a decade or so, it can be very detrimental. And I don't want to see that happen for anyone. And I could have gone down that path. So apologies will go so far. Don't give yourself immunity. Hold yourself to the same standards. If you make a mistake, do that. If you had wished to heard certain compliments as a kid, stop and do it. Because sometimes, you know, we all know the story. Oh, I got all A's. Well, what about this one B? We don't want to be that type of parent. Give a genuine compliment. And, and so I give a thousand kudos to you, Jake. Because right there, that one thing, when I've coached people, if you are willing to slow down and make a sincere apology and not use your position of power to give yourself immunity when you shouldn't, that's when I believe when passing the 18 years, the 18th summer, your kids are going to want to come back for more. They're going to come back to you for advice. They're going to want you to be around your grandkids. And gosh, if we spoil the, op, you know, the opportunity for that, what the hell good has it been for, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I, I think that as I see it, cause it, like you, you being vulnerable, you know, being and sharing some of these things at some of the events that we've been to and other people, like exactly what you said. And even, you you know, the, the fact that you said you're wasting your time and other people's time when you come in there with this, you know, false, you know, self pretense of other things. And I, I think that really hit home for, to me, because I mean, I absolutely have been guilty of it. And I was like more times than not probably, um, is that, um, you know, you want to impress these other people, you, you know, um, maybe that's human nature or that's the excuse that I've just, you know, made up here right now on this podcast, but it's like, you know, uh, you know, there's so many things related to that. And I, I just think that is like, I remember all those, that moment when, a guy actually shared 
you know, his getting his ass kicked, you know, he broke down in tears because he was upset, you know, because of something like that, you know, in his relationship or, you know, the relationship between his, him and his father or their kids or the other things like that. Like to me, that's what I mean about being the real. And, and I think that is just something that is so rare right now in an era of fake filterized world of X, Y, and Z and these other things. And so I, I, you know, truly appreciate you kind of leaning into some of those things. Um, I wanted to kind of, you know, take, we're kind of wrapping up in, you know, uh, this podcast. I want to ask you a few kind of rapid quiet, uh, fire questions. Your answers don't have to be rapid fire. Um, you know, and I would say in, you know, three of them, the first one is besides your own book, what is the book that you have gifted most to other people? Ooh. Um, the Alchemist has been a big one. Rich Smith and Babylon has been a big one. Those are awesome. Um, what is one thing you talk about passive investing and passive wealth. So what is one thing that you've spent money on in the last six months that has bought you back the most time? Um, marketing consulting and, and, and sales mentoring. I'm always hiring a coach for something, Jake. I love that because, because that was another one of the things that young Jake did. Well, at least maybe I think poorly, you know, was exactly trying to have to figure out everything, you know, be the smartest room or be the smartest person in the room and be like, I'll figure it out. Somebody explained it to me as there's three types of people. There's dumb people, there's smart people, and there's geniuses. Dumb people keep making the same mistake over and over again. Smart people make mistakes and learn from them, trial and error, which is kind of thing. Geniuses leverage other people's mistakes and just avoid them altogether. Yeah. And it was just like, oh yeah, that yeah. actually does make sense. And I was <laughs> the guy that had to go touch the hot stove, you know, slam my hand in the drawer, doing whatever. And I had to just go do that. And I don't know what it was that made me do that. A rebel and anybody else told me what to do. I had to do the opposite and figure it out on my own. But, uh, I love that, that you're saying hired coaches. The final thing is how can somebody reach out to you and where should they reach out to you? Yeah. If they want to learn more about, you know, our build to rent real estate family story, just go to JJ playbook, jjplaybook.com. That's something my wife and I put together. It's about our real estate journey over the last, you know, 24 years and how we bought back our time through build to rent real estate and created a legendary family life. And uh, we go through our main principles of both family and real estate. So that's a great starting point. Uh, if they're looking for our book, the family board meeting, you can find that in Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, anywhere. Uh, basically, it's now available, and uh, those are the best ways to find me. Well, I just want to close this out, Jim, uh, and just a moment of gratitude for you as far as uh, I've taken so much uh, insight from you. You've kind of been a, a mentor to me that you haven't even known the fact that you've been a mentor to me as far as the way that you've, you know, somebody encouraged you and nudging you. Um, to write the, the book and to put those concepts out there. And that has connected to me and it had made a difference in my family's life. Um, I, I feel like I have, you know, maybe there, maybe divine, you know, whatever, however that came uh, about that I came across your stuff, but I, I believe I am a better husband and a better father I'm probably healthier and doing so many other things in my life because of you, because of the rope that you have thrown down and shown and lived in that everything that we talked about on this podcast, the vulnerability, accepting, being real, making mistakes, living adventure, all of those things I have, you know, hook, line and sinker developed and put into my, to my life. And, and I think it has made a tremendous impact on my world as a whole. And I think you've actually exponentially made the world a better place 
because of what you've shared out into the world. So thank you so much for doing what you're doing and just being awesome, Jim, and your wife, Jamie, and the kids and everything else. The way you're living out there boldly is unbelievable, and I wish more people would do it. Oh, thanks, Jake. That means a lot. So I really appreciate the kind words and uh, and just the fact that it, it gave you some value. That's the biggest compliment I can give. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.RealEstate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.